Some stories carry much more influence than others. It's not the story, really, that influences us. It's the truths we as individuals and collectives assign to it, and the actions, then, that manifest from these truths. For example, the story of Robin Hood does not influence us all to become thieves, but it does encourage us to stand together against an oppressor, and it values the common needs of the community over the concentration of wealth, even though we all recognize stealing to be immoral. I guess, sometimes, an act of dissidence, whether immoral or not, can lead to a greater good. I suppose that also depends on whose authority you are deliberately acting against. Stories are the foundation to a great many, if not all, of our world beliefs. These foundational stories can define our identities and become authorities in themselves, influencing us to defend or stand against our collectives and traditions. And deadly and destructive conflicts based on ideologies and beliefs persist, tearing at the fabric of our collective potential. Again, it is the truths we seek from the stories that define our beliefs, not the stories themselves. A story is nothing, really. A story itself does not pick up a weapon or extend a hand to someone in need. You do that, the living person. There is a clear separation between what is knowledge and what is action, though these lines are easily and often blurred. To separate knowledge from action is to say, we are biological organisms living in large communities in a planet-wide ecological system. Action is our physical bodies surviving in a physical system. Knowledge is the non-physical reality in our minds that does influence our actions and helps us understand who we are relative to our community and our physicality. Knowledge at a fundamental level aids us in survival. Secondarily, knowledge is our efforts to understand our world beyond what we need to survive on a basic level. As our communities have changed from tribal hunters and gatherers to feudal states to our now global post-industrial world, our basic survival needs have adapted along with the changes in our human society. Here is where the lines between action and knowledge blur. We still only need the action of finding food, shelter, water, warmth, and community to survive. But now, to secure these basic needs, we have to become knowledgeable of a trade or profession, knowledgeable of finances, and investing in our buildings, energy, and infrastructure, and knowledgeable enough of complicated human relationships to live successfully in a very large community. And our stories, our beliefs, get woven into our understanding of what the world is, that which we are a part of. When our beliefs conflict, we drop back to protect what is closest to us, instinctually protecting our needs. We protect our smaller tribe, our community and belief system, which is what we've had to do for thousands of years to survive. Action is our ability to survive in a complex physical system. Knowledge guides our actions and understanding of how to survive. Societies have evolved. 
we survive within and are dependent upon a global human and environmental system. Our knowledge now has to continue to evolve along with these global systems. There is no room in this modern world for tribal conflicts anymore. Our survival is now dependent on the sustainable and just operation of a global humanity. If we are able to look at each other's beliefs and find commonalities within them, we will be able to usher a true peace into this 21st century of humanity. If the stories we tell ourselves and share with each other are reflective of a sustainable worldview, we can survive as a whole humanity and become the stewards of our planet that we are destined to become. We must look at the stories that generate conflicting ideologies and instead of retreating to what we generally know them to mean, look deeper and find in them a common truth. The biblical creation story certainly sparks its share of controversy. Not only does it establish that there is one omnipotent creator of all life, it assigns all of humanity to carry the burden of dissidence throughout human life on earth. Of course, there are many other ideologies established by this first chapter, Genesis. I am not here today to pick it apart. To me, to many, it is Holy Scripture, the Word of God itself. I respect this belief and validate it. I seek to look at this influential story and find a gate through a religious wall that lends itself to be divisive. The creation story is the first chapter in the first book of the Bible, Genesis. For those who have not heard it, here is a brief, simple summary. God was alone and in darkness. He created light, the heavens, earth, the air, and water, the fish, the birds, the plants, wild animals, domestic animals, and all things that crawl upon the earth. He did this great feat in six days. He was pleased and said it was good. On the seventh day he rested. But he found he was lonely. So from the dirt he made in his image Adam. Then from Adam's rib... He made a partner for Adam, a woman. Her name was Eve, and so man and woman inhabited God's creation, the Garden of Eden. God told Adam and Eve they were to name all things, hold dominion over them, and care for them. They could do anything they wanted, except eat from the tree of knowledge. The serpent was the most cunning of all creatures and tempted Eve into eating the forbidden fruit of the tree of knowledge. Eve went to Adam and convinced him to do the same. Thank you, ladies. Sincerely. When God came to the garden, he could not find Eve and Adam. They were hiding behind a bush. God asked, why are you hiding? They replied, we did not want you to see us naked. God was upset. He cursed Eve with pain in childbirth and to be subservient to man. He cursed Adam to toil in the earth for food and then return to the dirt as was he made. He cursed the snake to be the enemy of man and crawl for eternity on its belly. And Eve and Adam were banished from the garden. A powerful story indeed. Though the other stories in Genesis, through the other stories in Genesis, God plays a very active role in the lives of humans, continuing to coach them, aid them, and eventually punish them again with the great flood, and resurrect their goodness again in Noah's descendants, generation after generation. Though the creation story is only one of thousands in the Bible, 
It is the first, and it certainly sets the stage for the ideologies of Western religion. As I mentioned, I'm not going to pick the story apart in a critical manner. We should be conscious there are many people who value this story above their own life as a holy scripture. I do not want in any way to offend people who have dedicated their lives to belief in these texts. On the other hand, it is clear to see how there are some heavy-duty ideologies at play here. God creates the world in seven days. Man immediately falls from grace, eating of the tree of knowledge. And in doing so, damned now by God to suffer in knowing of good and evil. Man has an adversary in creation, the snake. And let's give a shout-out to women as subservience. I dare say there are a few women in this modern world who don't appreciate this sentiment. Although, there are some who still do abide by it because of their devotion to their faith. This is complicated stuff. How can we look at this story and pull from it enough to build something to share universally? I interpret two major elements. First, God does have an expectation of humanity to be moral and good. Morality and goodness are not, however, intrinsic solely to Jewish and Christian faiths. All world religions have a set of good and bad behaviors, and even though people of an atheist viewpoint would agree that this is not a free-for-all, you have to know a right behavior and a wrong behavior to live peacefully in a society. The second element, I believe, is the more critical and somewhat overlooked. Guilt and sin is associated with eating from the tree of knowledge. Humanity can now know both good and evil. But the burden of this knowledge is humanity's great challenge to overcome. According to the Bible, we are born with original sin. This is the act of disobedience to God, the act of dissidence, and eating of the tree of knowledge by even Adam. This curse is passed down through all generations, and through millennia now, this dialectic has played out. Humanity is born sinners. Humanity is born bad. But I have been around a handful of babies and watched them grow. From observing, I don't believe babies are born bad. To me, they kind of are perfect. Their innocence, their need for nurture, represents the purity of the human spirit. I've witnessed a lot of parenting through these years, and the vast majority of adults do not encourage badness in their children. I've never heard, go ahead and steal that toy. Or hit him while he's down. (laughs) I only hear, you better say you're sorry. Or please share and play together. But each human's growth is a long and tumultuous journey. Even though we intend the best for our children and ourselves, the waters can get muddy and unclear. Humans are imperfect. There are many horrendous things that people do and say. And in people's lives, I have seen suffering play out from bad feelings sourcing from many origins, often enough from the stories we tell ourselves and each other. So it is true that there is a part of humans somehow that can become bad. Still, I don't believe this is an innate innate component of who we are. I believe it is circumstantial and part of our journey to become something more. 
So here is the great deception. God created humanity and placed temptation in the form of a tree of knowledge directly in our path. What if it was the plan from the beginning to enable humanity to fail so we are then able to learn and grow? The creation story doesn't transpire over thousands of years. Humanity is immediately separated from Eden. Our story, which does manifest over many, many generations, is the playing out of making good and bad decisions with the knowledge gained by eating from the tree. God did not strip that from us. In fact, he says, now you are like us, knowing of good and evil. If God is omnipotent and all-powerful, why? We, his pride of creation, did fail immediately. And the entirety of our ancestry lives in this failing? If God is omnipotent and all-powerful, I believe this was the intended journey. To come to wisdom on our own is true wisdom. We as a collective have to truly learn for ourselves to understand what is good, what is bad, and what is in fact divine. If there are any atheists out there, this is the Summer Bible Series. Everyone knew it was coming. You can talk to Ricky after the service. (laughs) What is divine? That is the great deception. I don't believe we actually left the Garden of Eden. There was no stone wall or iron gate separating humanity from what is perfect and good into the barren dregs of a leftover wasteland. God's creation is the entirety of creation not an isolated garden where humanity lost their chance. This life is divine. We are of life. The spark of life runs through every atom in our material body, which dust we share with all other things. Through the air we breathe, a precious respiratory cycle that is codependence. Through the light that warms all things, and sets in motion an energy cycle, generation after generation of life. All. All of life. And water. Of course water. It rests gently in a cup, or it carves its beautiful signature against the mountainside. We never left the garden. There is no exodus. There is no locked gate of gold keeping us out of heaven. We've lived in and of a divine life since the beginning, no matter what story you view to be truth. But there did become a psychological barrier in the human mind, an existential crisis, so to speak. We thought for ourselves. We questioned the ebb and flow of life. Or more accurately, we questioned our place within it. And the magnitude of this type of neurological evolution has shaken loose our once unquestioning connection to all other life. Generations. With each new life we are born again from purity, and with each passing we return to it. This cycle is life. This cycle is creation, a momentum, a collective, connecting each of us back through time to the very beginning of life and forward into our great future, how many individual lives have there been? There was some kind of a beginning. 
even if it was just the beginning of human thought, and generation after generation, we pass what we know forward. Each generation has to deal with what is truth relative to the world that is living now and become the authority of our best collection of what is good and bad and pass the ability to reason forward. I guess sometimes an act of dissidence, whether immoral or not, can lead to a greater good. I suppose that also depends on whose authority you are deliberately acting against. Now in this 21st century, the authority we are rallying to strike against is our own. The oppressor is not our stories or others' religious beliefs. The oppressor now is within each and every one of us. The oppressive voice says, I know enough, or I know my belief is right. The oppressive voice says, we are a better species than all others. We are more valuable. The earth is here to solely support human life. The earth orbits around the human. We now know better. And as a collective, we have to continue to nurture in each other, each and every other, that each individual human life is absolutely a great, precious gift, regardless of any tribe of origin from which we are born into, regardless of the stories we choose to believe in. Every human is an equal gift to all other precious life on earth and in the galaxies beyond with which we are one. Some stories can carry much more influence than others. It's not the story really that influences us. It's the truth we as individuals and collectives assign to it and the actions then that manifest from these truths. Let our actions be for the good of all. Let us teach, balance, and nurture. Let us live every day in the garden of creation as the defenders of all life. Let our wisdom that we've gained over all human generations continue to manifest in us and our children a humility, a peace, and a divine love as we are ordained to become.